Tuesday morning broadcast, JM and the AM. Charlie Harari, of course, in addition to uh, being with us every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, is a uh, prolific author and lecturer, inspirational speaker involved in a million different things, uh, uh, certainly in our community, and we've asked him to join us this morning here at JM and the AM for a perspective on all that is going on, or some might say the lack of what's going on. Charlie Harari, an honor to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Nachum, it's an honor to be on. Thank you for all that you do, especially now. I appreciate that very much. Um, so, the collective Jewish world has taken a deep breath, sort of, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, little, oh, yeah. a little pause, because no matter what people are or are not doing, and obviously there are still people working, etc., we get the whole thing, uh, still it is not at the pace that we are normally used to. And a lot of the things that we've taken for granted over the years have now been uh, have now been put in question, including uh, going to our own synagogues. You know, yesterday, Charlie, as this was obviously so much unfolded over the weekend, you and I both know of congregations that were open Shabbos but then ended up closing either Saturday night or Sunday. So obviously that whole situation was fluid over a period of days. Uh, I mentioned when we all got back together yesterday morning here that there is an addiction that the Jewish community now has to davening with a minion. And, and again, I think people like myself who come from older families, and I have siblings who are in their 70s, frankly, so I come from older families, you know, remember a time when it was not nearly this popular or of great concern to somebody to run early to a shacharis, to interrupt their day for a mincha, and to make sure to wrap up before they get ready for bed by running to a mariv. And I think it's a, it is a positive thing that it was such a difficult decision to close the shuls because I think it reaffirmed this tremendously positive addiction that we, from the simplest Jews to the most devout, have toward davening with a minion these days. Did you feel there was some of that going on when all this was going on? Oh, absolutely. I think what has happened to our community, which is so incredible and beautiful, is that we have figured out a way to become a community around shul, right. around God. It's, if you think about it, like, we exist through shul. Like, when the shul shuts down, it's A, hey, this is what I do three times a day. And it's, hey, wait, where am I going to bar missing my kids? Where am I going to see my friends? Where am I going to, where am I going to, we've taken, and, and if, you, if you pull back for a second and think about all the institutions in this country, it's really beautiful that our community has taken shul, which really is God's home, so to speak, it's a migdash ma'at, and made that the center not only of what we do to daven, but of our lives. So much so that now that it's closed, people are like, wait, how do I operate? Like, this is, I, 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 what do I do next? There is no other place for us to meet and for us to thrive but in a shul, which I think is is a real testament, Baruch Hashem, to where we are as a community today. No question about it. And again, in prior generations, not, this is not a condemnation. It's just a fact, especially in America. Uh, older generations may say that in Israel, Palestine, then Israel, it was different, that there was always an attention by a core group to be in shul every day. But especially in Chutz Laaretz, this is a, a phenomenon of, of this generation that we've gotten to this level of the simple, again, the simplest of people, hardworking people who, you know, who don't have their day dominated by by Torah and and uh, and our community, uh, making sure to be in shul every single day. And you know what I what I also was thinking about. 
Um, you know, you talk about obviously there's a social aspect to the kiddish, and you know, and people wonder why is the kiddish so important, you know, etc. And I get that, you know, there's a lot. Unfortunately, that there could be gossip at kiddish and things like. I get the whole thing, but if you think about it, and I'm sure you go through this every week, the amount of chesed that starts at a kiddish, where someone becomes aware from somebody else about a situation that has to be taken care of, of what the shul needs, of a family that's in need, of someone who would walk over to you and just, you know, need a a word of inspiration, or you find out that someone's ill, and then you follow up during the week to visit them or call them, etc. There's a lot of good stuff that goes on in our social atmosphere, and we have to remember that. Don't just go out there and condemn all our social groups like all we do is, you know, is, is questionable things. There's a lot of really important stuff that goes on when we get together. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, one of the greatest ills that society suffers from, and I hope we don't get there here, is loneliness. We don't appreciate the impact of loneliness enough. You see it with, like, kids when you put your kids to bed. You know, like, every kid wants mom and dad to, like, lay in bed with them. Like, they'll do anything for mom and dad to lay. How come? Because they understand that when the, when the lights are out and they're younger, and when you're younger, you're usually more truthful. Like, they understand that, that, that eerie feeling of being alone. Well, adults have it, too. They're just better at covering it up. Right. And just the fact that you have a place to go, just to, and, and like by the Hasidim, have this concept called dibuk chaverim, the the dvekis, the connection of just chaverim, and they hold. And there's lots of svarim that speak about this, that it's holy for chaverim to get together, of course to learn, but also to schmooze, to be connected, to be like one, because there's something very both psychological and also spiritual valuable when people feel like they belong, when people feel like they can connect, when there's a place for somebody, even if they're not sitting and davening and learning. Right. And I completely agree. The, right. the, the kiddishes, the, the schmoozing, the, I always said, like, one of the, I think personally, what do I know? I think one of the most sweetest times of the week is when you come out of shul, and we should be zochet to see that soon, you see, like, the kids and the families, and, like, nobody's learning, but I, I feel like Hashem gets so much nachas yeah. out of seeing the post-shul, you know, get-togethers. Jewish and continuity. Seeing, Jewish exactly. continuity. Yeah. Seeing the kids with the lollipops, and seeing, you know, even, and you, and, and you see this is, exactly, this is our nation choosing that what they're going to be surrounding, getting dressed up for, and getting dressed in their kids for, is a shul. And this we have to, and and this is what these moments are for. I mean, these moments are for us to appreciate that which we could not otherwise appreciate. And by the way, it, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I, no. Usually, when I interrupt, it means I'm really enjoying the conversation. So don't be don't be <laughs> insulted. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that uh, you know we have a tendency, some of us, to often look at the negative and to and to proclaim, you know, we have to correct some of the things going on in earth. And I get the whole thing. I know that, you know, not everything's perfect everywhere. But look at what some of our synagogues have become. Some of our synagogues have become shiurim, shiurim factories. It's not just going to Minyan. They have become shiurim factories where, where there are certain shuls, you're familiar with them, and not just in New York, that are just constantly open, that are, you know, nighttime kolel, and 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 daytime classes and morning, you know, obviously tefillah, but you know, programs that start after tefillah, etc. I mean, these have become real epicenters of Jewish life and productive Jewish activities. It's not all negative, everybody. You know, yesterday, Charlie, I got and I, I need your opinion on this. 
Everyone knew Rabbi Glatt was coming on, and you know that Rabbi Glatt obviously is at the epicenter of all these discussions because he has an expertise both as a rabbi and as an infectious disease doctor. I'm sure you're familiar with him. And people were wondering, what's the first question I'm going to ask him? You know, like, what's the, you know, what? Yeah, I mean, look, this is the man, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, from whom other rabbis and halachic decisors got their information in order to make these decisions. You know, what are you going to ask him? And the first question I asked him was, how difficult was it? to make the decision to close the shul. Because we cannot minimize how difficult it was for our leaders to do this, and at the same time, we have to laud them, laud them for making a responsible decision on behalf of our community and behalf of humankind. Yeah, it could not have been easy, and I can tell you, because I live in Woodmere, like Glad is a, is a figure not only that matters to us and that we love him here in our local community, but of course he's nationwide. And when, you know, over the over Shabbos, there were different shows that opened, different shows that closed. And, and i got to tell you, that one of the things that I, 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 I couldn't agree more, the, the shuls that, that stayed open that I've seen were, you know, doing social distancing and trying their hardest and saying, we may have to close tomorrow, but let's try. And the shuls that closed, they send out not one, but four emails. Right. We're so sorry. We're, we're heartbroken. Like, this was not a, okay, guys, it's been a little hard for us, like, you know, hasta luego, see you, Rosh Hashanah. Right. This was like, we are heartbroken, and, and and this is our people. And and I and I really, you know, Rabbi Howard is Rabbi in Baltimore, uh, the incoming uh, uh, EVP of the OU, and I was down in Baltimore with him earlier this year, and I was, you know, I was at the shul, and he told me such a beautiful thing. He said to me that he was once speaking to a member of Congress, and he asked him what his most, ins- the, the congressman asked him what his most inspiring moment is, and he said this incredible thing, and this to me sums it up. He says every morning at like, must be a quarter to six, six o'clock in the morning, he starts his day in his shul, and around his table is a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, uh, a teacher, and everybody just rolls in every day, rain, sleet, or shine, yep. and they study. And we're doing yeah. Dafyomi together. And he yeah. says, every morning when I wake up and I see just regular, so to speak, people coming to Shul and studying, it reminds me how great our nation is. And, and this, like you're saying, it, this is exactly it. This is what we have to appreciate now. You know, when the Shuls reopen, it's going to be the greatest celebration ever. It, it is going oh, to be, sure. I mean, we will then realize how much we missed it. And like I said, if we could bottle up this feeling, this empty feeling, I think Akadosh Baruch Hu would, would uh, and I'm sure he does, appreciate the fact that there's so many people in pain uh, that they're not able to be in shul. Charlie Harari is with us live via telephone. All right, a couple of things that people I'm sure have been asking you. So do you, Charlie Harari, know any secret formula of how to deal with families that are stuck at home? Compared to what other people, <laughs> compared to what other people might be doing, right? Yeah, I'm sure you're getting alcohol as one of the suggestions, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and I, I, that's not on my list. <laughs> um, you know, I got to tell you, when I was, um, you know, when I years ago, when I was on the road a lot for work and whatnot, uh, there was a guy in my office who was a he was involved in capital raising, so he was on the road all the time. And I had once asked him something had bothered me. He, I said to him, I said, I don't mind traveling but I mind like the traffic of traveling. You know, you're waiting on a line, then you're waiting to board, then you're waiting on the plane, then you're waiting for your Uber. Like, if you can collect those moments, it'll be, it's, it's weeks of your life gone. Right. And I'll never forget, he said to me, you're trying to fight the pause. Meaning, right. you're on a line, you're looking over your shoulder. You're, you're sitting at the airplane, and the plane's not going, and you're like going out of your mind. 
Like, stop fighting it. Embrace it. You can do so much in the pauses of life. You're right. always worried about there's not enough time to pause. Download a book, and you can finish a book one trip. Take something out that you can read. Make a phone call. Don't fight pauses. You're traveling. Embrace pauses. Do you find that your children are embracing pauses? My, my, my kids are getting it. I think, the, I think the, the initial euphoria of this is like one long snow day right. <laughs> um, is slowly waning. They're not there yet. They're still at the place where they're like, wait, there's no school today again. Like, they're, like Everyone's like crying, and they're like, there really is a Hashem in this world. I know I believe in him now fully because look at what he's done for us. He's given us the greatest gift of humanity. We don't have school for, for the indefinite future. So it's beginning to wane, but they're still in euphoria because by us, they just my kids' schools just close over the weekend. So my kids are now appreciating no school. But right. one of the things that I'm trying my hardest to do right now, and I'm really working myself and my family on appreciating this pause. With God's help, we'll go back. And with God's help, we'll go back to our lives. And I'm telling you, we're going to be going back to our lives sooner than we expect. And we're going to be running around all day, never breathing and going, wait a second. I had a couple of days, weeks, I hope not more than that, where I was forced to pause why was I going crazy for? Why was I always looking over my shoulder? Why was I like feeling the way like I felt in the back of like a traffic jam? Right now, God is slowing us to a pause. You have to embrace the pause. You know, it's funny. It's, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, and that's, and, and that's the most important thing because one of the things that we're losing here, honestly, listen, with God's help, everyone should be healthy. Most people that are sitting in their homes are not at, really at risk. We're sitting in our homes to protect those right. who are. Correct. And so, it's, thank God, thank God, we're not saying stay at home because if this comes into one's house, this isn't that. This is stay home because, thank God, most people will be okay, but let's protect those that won't. So most people are sitting at home, and what's driving them crazy is that they need to be in control of what's going to happen, what's going to happen, and the emotional energy that they're expending trying to figure this out is going to sap them of the joy of finally being able to pause in their lives. No question about it. Charlie Harari with us live via telephone. If, if you're on, <laughs> that having been said, if you're on a schedule, let, let me know <laughs> because I, I don't know when homeschooling starts and when it doesn't. So if you need, to, no if you need to go, just let me know. Um, and then there's the business aspect. Look, Charlie, it's not a secret. Um, everyone knows that, that no matter what line of work you're in, unless you, know, unless you sell head sanitizer, you know, these are going to be very difficult months ahead, and, and there have been challenges in the past, obviously. You know, I saw a Facebook post the other day, which was somewhat cute. It said something like, uh, you know, when you're on a plane, it's irrelevant to you. You know, you never worry who the pilot is. When you're on a train, you have no, you know, clue who the conductor is. You know, you put your full faith in them. So, you know, why not do the same thing with life? You know, let the conductor, so to speak, obviously referring to the one above, you know, just to just you know, just guide you through and, and get you to the next destination. That having been said, and all the inspiring words that one can give, there's a tremendous amount of anxiety out there. People at this point, many people at this point, literally wondering, you know, how they're going to be able to make it through. Anything you could say to this collective audience who might be concerned about what the future will bring? Yeah, um, th there is no way of knowing. There, there's a couple of things that one can do. The first and foremost is prayer. God, remember that God does give Parnassa, not the boss and not the economy. And sometimes we lose faith in that. And when someone puts their bitachon in Hashem, they get 
the shaliach, even if it's a different shaliach. We have we say the pasuk, Hashlech el Hashem If you throw your burdens onto Hashem, He'll support you. So the first thing and foremost is sometimes we forget that God's the one who gives us parnasa. Secondly, it's believe it or not, it's staka that when you think about somebody else in need and you think about somebody else's financial needs. We learn from our, our tzaddikim, we learn from, from Torah that if you want to be mefarnes, if you're a conduit for tzedakah, that'll have a much higher chance. And, and the last thing with the shishtadlis is to sit back and ask yourself, like, okay, what, what's going on in my career? What can I do from where I am to help that along? So for some people, it's learning how to work remotely. And maybe embracing it in a way that they never had to before. For some people, it's learning the thing that they never knew before, right? right? So I never had time to learn about financial statements or to learn about this part of my business or to learn about where I think I'm going to be. But now I'm sitting at home. Why don't I take two hours a day and study online on a course that I never had a, me- a moment to do? Mm. So if you sit back and ask yourself, I've got the world's information at my fingertips, I've got time like I never had before, and I've got a new reality forming, for, many, for some people it'll be what it'll be, and they'll, they'll, they'll do the best they can. For some people, they're sitting at home, there is a chance to either reinvent or to pivot even what you know to become a leader in the new world. And maybe there's a bit, maybe in the business, no one has stepped up and said, hey, listen, I'll remotely organize this, or I'll keep on moving for this, or I'm going to study this. So always be open to the opportunity that brings, and every disruption is opportunity. And so you're seeing, now we're in a period of disruption. We, we, we've been going through disruptions for a, for a decade. They're just coming at a much slower you know, clip. But wherever there's disruption, there's opportunity for new growth. There's opportunity for new, for new chances. And if people sit back and worry, they're wasting the energy on what they can't do. If they're going to turn to Hashem, if they're going to turn to the most, the most definitive thing that we have for Parnassah and our faith is Staka. If you turn to prayer, you turn to Staka, and then you look to your job and see what you can learn now, I think you're putting yourself in the best position to be successful. You remind me of something that my uh, late brother always said. He uh, taught real estate, you know, the traditional real estate course, one of the things he did. And uh, he would always say, uh, when there's a downturn in the real estate economy, here's your chance to take the course, get your license, read up on everything, learn the craft well, and by the time everything goes back up or starts to go back up, you'll be ready to attack the market. And that's, of course, just one example of what you're saying. Yeah. I, I heard, I read a story recently about a woman in her 60s who was working at a big company and her company was downsizing. And they offered people, for those who want, free online courses. And this woman said, I'll take it. And she became a, a programmer. And she's <laughs> sitting in a room with kids that were 40 years her junior, but she took it seriously. And she used the time as her, as her division was downsizing, as opposed to getting stuck in the negative spiral, to study coding. And she won some U.S. award because she brought a certain level of experience to her coding. And she became this incredible, and, and it was a huge, massive Fortune 500 company. And she became one of the top coders. Unbelievable. She didn't look at it like, <laughs> I'm old, and so as a result, not that 60 Gospits old, but like compared right. to 20-year-olds who are all living with computers on their fingertips, it's so easy for someone older to be like, well, 
That's know, not my not thing. How I right? learned it. It's not my thing, right? <laughs> it's not my thing. And and she turned it around, and I couldn't believe it. Like I was so proud of her. I didn't know her. That like here's a woman who's saying, "Listen, teach me. I'll learn. I did this before." And by the way, you know what we can learn from? We can learn from our grandparents because my grandfather ended up in this country after having the worst childhood ever, going through Auschwitz and all that he went through. He landed here and he reinvented himself. And my grandmother, the same thing. They landed. They had no money. They had no education. And they said, okay, we got to make it work. And they reinvented themselves. And our grandparents, my grandparents, right, the, the Holocaust generation is the – we have to look to them now and say, here's a group of people that showed tremendous resilience at every level. It means that we have it in us as well, and we've got to do that as well. Charlie Harari is with us. Um, by the way, I should mention we talked about tefillah, as you mentioned. Uh, and and the shiurim that I that I cited, you know, are dominating so many synagogue programs on a daily basis. Thank God. Um, and 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 there are a million opportunities, YouTube videos, etc. Why you Torah is one of a million examples, you know, where people can get everything. But isn't it nice to see how so many rabbis are taking to modern technology and setting up schedules where literally people can call in and hear live? And you know how people prefer live very often, especially when they want to interact with somebody. You know, have have they how they're providing live scheduled. Uh, shiurim for people to enjoy literally day and night. I mean, there's some of these shiur schedules they go till eleven o'clock at night. So again, one of the benefits of the uh, of this situation is that thank God we have the technology to to do this and to to really enhance our day and to feel a little bit of that, you know, togetherness, the lack of loneliness, however you want to put it, that that you described earlier. Yeah, you know, one of the things that we don't get enough credit for is being the most entrepreneurial nation in the world. Right. There's, there's no, it, there's a reason why Israel's called startup nation because it's basically just Jews on an island, basically <laughs> on, a, on a geographical, uh, early sociological island. But right. we're the most entrepreneurial nation in the world, right? You ever go to any, any neighborhood? Every, you know, even the whole multiple shul thing, which some people don't love, but like it just shows that like we're entrepreneurs by nature. Right. And this is exactly what's happening, right? We come in, we're saturated, we build institutions, schools and schools. That shuts down. We don't even blink. No one even blink. Day one, that shuts down, boom, everybody's online. Like, That's I'm true. getting calls left and right, and I'm sure you are as well. And I'm everybody, it's everybody getting a million calls. Last night, some Hawaiianer did a, uh, a live video. I mean, it's so beautiful. And I, and I want us to appreciate this. Yeah, we've been hit with like, you know, 10 new concepts in the, whole, <laughs> yeah. in the last few days. Yeah, I'm sure. It's so beautiful that when the going gets tough, our nation just stands up and says, how are we rolling with these punches? There is so, I have found so few licking wounds and woe is us and what's going to be and it's all over. I haven't heard I mean, maybe it's not coming to me because they know that I won't, I don't digest it as much. But like, I don't find that our people just do that, and it's, and the, it's uh, beautiful. It, and it, these are the moments where we have to sit back and really appreciate who we are. It's the positive part of being a stubborn nation, right? It's the positive yeah, part. That's right. That's All right, exactly now, right. now, now, listen, Mister Harari. There are too many people who are begging me to ask you about the final topic this morning, and we're really going to put uh -oh. you. We're really going to put you on the spot now. Okay, here goes. We're really going to put you on the spot. We've covered the synagogues. We've covered the inspiration. We've covered tefillah, the shiurim, uh, the 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 you know asking people to do what they can in their own lives to use this opportunity to improve themselves and rebuild themselves when necessary, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But Charlie Harari. 
uh, too many people in this audience believe that you have to be depressed about the suspension of the NBA season. I mean, too many people that's, are... If there's one thing that gets me, that's it. This Thursday was March Madness. And I don't know, they may, I heard they may cancel the name March. I don't think, I think this may be called February in order for us to get a chance. Yeah, I don't know how to deal with that. There, there are things we can deal with, but not having March Madness this year, I... I I have no answer oh, for so it to beyond you, my comprehension. So to you, but beyond Yeshiva University, for you, the, the NCAA is even harder to swallow than the NBA. Oh, yeah. The NBA, I, 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 have, I have very little. I mean, God bless them, whatever. I, I, don't, I oh, have very I, little I didn't concern realize that. for the NBA, for the, for the, uh, even for the NHL. To me, the, the, the NCAA is this moment where you see – the blood, the sweat, the tears, the heart of some young people, honestly, who will never play professional sports, who have been working on this for their entire lives. Um, and this is the, the dance. That, and also, as a kid growing up, I, I'm, I'm biased to things as a kid growing up. So as a kid growing up, we used to sneak out of school. We used to go to somebody's house. We used to, shut our, we used to hold ourselves in a room and just watch straight games. That's what happens in the beginning of these tournaments, right? You're watching yeah. 10 games in a row. You get right. into, like, Wichita State. You, get, you find out where Gonzaga is. And, like, it's, it's, it's a period of time that I have very, you know, wonderful nostalgic memories for. And so, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I have no answer for why Hashem stopped the NCAA March Men. Maybe <laughs> one day he'll show that, up. That's the one thing of all your maybe questions. One day, right? Maybe when Mashiach comes, he'll go, listen, I'm sorry I had to come in March. I understand about March Madness, <laughs> but let me give you, like, the, the, let me explain to you why in Shemayim we had to do this. It's, sure it's, we'll it's funny that he quote unquote messed this up. He gave us a 9 11 in September. He gave us Sandy in October. You'd think he'd keep all these disasters in the fall and not interrupt your basketball schedule, huh? <laughs> I wonder, I'm sure. Sure, when he comes to me, he's going to be Matarit Kushis, they say, right? Like, I'm sure one of the kashas he's going to speak to is why they Dafka had to mess with March Madness. And Matsushem, one of the things we'll ask Mashiach when he comes to Mizushem one day is how come that happens. By the way, one of the benefits, you'll appreciate this, one of the benefits of being holed up in the house the majority of the day is that yesterday I came across a documentary on Jim Volvano. Oh my gosh, Charlie, oh, Charlie, yeah. if you want inspiration. If you want Simple inspiration, Vanna. I mean, yeah. I, I can imagine you've read the books about him and stuff. I mean, just yeah, what a guy! I mean, what just uh, you know, the the, yeah. the man who has such tremendous love for other human beings—that in itself is an incredible mida. When you have that yeah. level of care for other human beings, yeah, really yeah, amazing. you know, one of the things we spoke about this all the time. I find that the world is split between people that understand sports and don't understand sports. Right. People that don't understand sports think that sport is about a ball and a, and a score. People that either grew up with it or understand it, know that it's not about that. The ball is a metaphor for heart. It's, a, it's an outlet for things that are it, it, for things that aren't really real. Like, it's not, I mean, we're joking around that, you know, whether yeah. they cancel or not has no real impact. Right. But, um, but it's a metaphor for lots of things in life that we all strive for, to overcome challenges and to be the best that we can be. And for some people, it's on a court. And Jimmy Volvano is someone like that that really brought out the best in people. Uh, and I know there, there's a lot of people that are, you know, to me, why you is, I, 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 was, I was going crazy with their season. I mean, like, Elliot Steinmetz, the guys in YU, I mean, these guys are, are incredible, and what they've accomplished is incredible. And 
you know, and, all these students that and, really try and hard ask, to do, and, you know? and ask them what sports is. You're not going to get an answer that's a, you know playing a game with a ball. You ask them what sports is, you'll get a, a really deep answer both about all the things you just mentioned, the personal midos that can increase, and the national pride and midos that can increase when, when someone takes it seriously. Yeah, for sure. And things happen on courts that don't happen other places. Elliot told me once with regards to anti-Semitism that when it came on the court, if he ever felt it, you know, he had so much support from other people because the court is its own world. And there's a certain amount of rules and a certain amount of decorum. and, And it's an amazing thing that people that don't understand sports don't get that it, it means a lot to people and it's it, it teaches you lessons in life that you know for many people this is where they learn it from you know like you said overcoming challenges midos um you know teamwork unity the power of achdos these are these are these are lessons in life that you can apply to more important things as you get older no question about it by the way you'll remember this conversation because uh, we have breaking news that Tom Brady has announced he will not be going back to New England Oh, wow. So you'll remember where you heard that first, Mr. Harari. Wow, that's breaking news. That's, I think I think the reason why that it came out today, because I think people need something to, to Google besides coronavirus today. Also, I think, also, I think, the first time. I think sports said there was begging him for some news. Yes. This is, this is designed by Spirit. Exactly. Bowling and chess wasn't enough for people to. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, this is what people are going to be cheering over. Um, but oh my! Wow, that's going to be. Thank God, there'll be a, a brief respite from Corona googling to figure out where Tom Brady is going next year. Yeah, so, no question that, about that. It, it, came, it came at a good time. Um, uh, Charlie, I thank you. Course, I thank, thank you, you very and, much. Thank you for all that you do. I appreciate that. This is really, really, really interesting times, and I hope that everybody, especially as we gather as a community each day in this forum, I hope people are able to keep the positive perspective. I, for some reason, you know, I, I have expected to hear from a lot of close friends how difficult life is cooped up with the kids at home, and I have not heard though. You sort of said that before. I just haven't heard that yet from anybody. I know it's only a few days. I get the whole thing. But it seems that people, when when needed, they'll be resilient and and yeah. you know. I mean, to think about our friends in New Rochelle who had to be home for two weeks and uh, and not move. Yeah. I mean, that that's a very long period of time. Yeah. And one of the things that I hope people realize today, and this is a unique opportunity that we doesn't we talk about this all the time. The difference between Muna and Bitachon, right? Right. Muna is you believe that there is a Hashem. It's intellectual. Bitachon is you feel like He's taking care of you. It's emotional. It's applied Muna. And these are the moments where people can actually flex the muscle of bitachon. Because usually throughout your life, if you're, if you're fairly healthy, if you've got food on your table, if you get your, your, your payments through human beings or corporations or whatever, it's really hard to live with bitachon. You believe Hashem exists, but like, is He taking care of you? If someone goes through a personal crisis, they have to exercise that muscle. Now people, now a, a whole nation can get together and say, I'm going to feel like Hashem's going to take care of me. I'm going to practice bitachon. I'm going to feel happy. I'm going to f- force simcha. I'm going to let him run the world. We can, we can come out of this as a nation being much stronger in our bitachon, and there's no telling what we can become when that muscle is strong. So we've got a real opportunity here to, to really exercise a muscle that may have been dormant this past generation because we've been living a fairly okay life communally 
to really become a, na- uh, a nation that we, we never had a chance to become. Yeah, when you have luxury and you have, uh, you know, an easy, relatively easy situation, it's hard sometimes to keep that perspective. You remind me, someone once said to me, you want to become a real uh, Balbitachum, become a small business owner. Then you'll, then, no, it's no question. <laughs> then you'll see no question. how month to month you're praying to the one above, how that things should yeah. go in a positive fashion. Yeah. You know, there's a great story of a guy who actually was working for a company and he left and he opened up his own business and they asked him why. And he said that reason. He said, because I found myself hoping that my boss was happy with me and not hoping that Hashem was happy with me. And, wow. And that transition could, he, besides the security that he had, he couldn't stomach it. He couldn't stomach the fact that he just didn't really worry about Hashem anymore. And he left the company. He looked in a beautiful big company, made a lot of money. He opened up his own business, and thank God he did okay. And he said, just the fact that I wake up in the morning and I have to ask Hashem for my sustenance, it means that I got a relationship with God. And after, after 120, he said, I'd much rather have that than the security of the paycheck. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. But it's, it's true. Wow. There's a certain value that we have when we wake up in the morning, and we're going through it. And you turn to Hashem and say, Hashem, help me through this day. Like, help me through. What's going to be? I don't know. If we did that and really came out of this, and we'll come out of this, Mr. Hashem, we came out of this with really strong muscles of bitachon, I mean, we'll be different people. We'll be, and we'll have, and thank God we have all the, 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 the accoutrements of this generation. We're not coming out of the Holocaust, right? right? We come back into our lives and have an 11-hour flight to Israel, and we have the Internet, and we have, thank God, the, the, the luxuries, and we then put on top of that the power of bitachon and achdos and the depreciation for shuls. I mean, I can't even imagine what we're going to look like. And, it's going and be beautiful. And believe me, our, our attitude towards Fila Betzibra will be even more enhanced, which, which is only positive. Uh, yeah. and, and for me, it's such a, so, so, so much one of the critical things about all of this. Um, well, uh, what can I say? Oh, by the way, what time does, uh, does Harari Academy start? Is there a specific start time or, uh, we're, we're, yeah, I think it's, I, I don't know. I think everyone's slowly getting up um, <laughs> today, today, I think at eight o'clock people are like, Oh my gosh, so early. I'm like, it's eight o'clock. You know, everybody should be up already. So. Oh, well, actually, we, we tried to put a schedule in place, so we're negotiating with our children about exactly the schedules and you know what we should have, and we want to have family this, and so we're, we're, we're working it out. I think we got dinner last night together. We had a chabura last night, which some of the kids protested, which is okay. Oh, is that funny? And we'll, we'll get there. We'll oh, get is, there. That, is that funny? Um, yeah, one of my kids, one of my college kids uh, said he had a really full schedule yesterday. So he said, uh, first class will be in the bedroom, second class in the living room, third. I said, I need to change the scenery. I can't do, I can't look at a screen in the same room for eight straight hours, you know? Yeah. Charlie. Negotiating with my wife to let me walk around the block to see how that works. <laughs> well, I, well, I think, you know, I, 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 I think even the most careful medical personnel allows the, uh, the usage of the backyard, I believe. As long as yeah, you're, as backyard's lo- okay. As the long question as- is, will she let me walk down an actual city block <laughs> and just, you know, get some fresh air? So we're negotiating with, you know, Homeland Security. So we're, we're, we're going to hopefully work it out that I'll be able to, you know, get some fresh air and in, in, around as cars long, and whatnot. As long as you're six feet away from somebody, that's all. Just exactly. make, make sure to keep that distance. Charlie, I thank you very, very much. It's an honor. Malcolm, thanks for what you do, and especially during this period of time, and Hashem should bless you. Amen. That you should, the Hashem should bless you that you should be doing this show 
at the time that Mashiach comes. Oh, you can man. be able to tell people in this world that it's time for us to be able to experience that which we've been dominating for for many, many years to come. And we should we should see those days very soon. Amen. Thank you so much. Charlie Harari, everybody, with us Thursdays at 9 a.m., right after JM in the AM. Uh, today he joined us for this wonderful segment. Uh, so much to talk about and so much to be inspired about uh, during these crazy days of coronavirus and these crazy days of not knowing where Tom Brady's going to go and these crazy days of no NCAA basketball. As Charlie described, it's crazy all over the place. But Bezrat Hashem, uh, on the serious stuff, we'll make it through, and we'll make it through with flying colors and as a better uh, community and certainly as better individuals. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com and the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. 